The information on this podcast is not a substitute for seeking help from a qualified licensed professional counselor or a qualified licensed medical provider. Hello and welcome back to another session of the Evolving Chair Podcast with your host, Lakeisha Russell, licensed professional counselor, also known as America's Mental Wellness Ambassador. I am the visionary and founder of the Evolving Chair Counseling and Consulting Agency right here in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, where I provide individual group therapy services, family therapy, speaking services, coaching, training, consulting, if you are in need of any of those services, please don't hesitate to reach out to me at Lakeisha at theevolvingchair.com by sending me an email. Or if you want to look at the website and just see the work I've done in the past with other companies and organizations, definitely go to my website, www.theevolvingchair.com. So thank you guys for joining me for the Evolving Chair podcast. And for those of you that are new to listening to the podcast, this may be your first time or maybe your 12th time. But the Evolving Chair podcast's main goal is to help break down the shame and the fear about all things mental wellness within the black and brown communities through one conversation at a time because there's power in a conversation and so I always either have a guest expert or a a guest sharing their story and how they've overcome and so again to to tie in how wellness um, isn't just one-sided and connecting the spiritual physical and mental wellness piece in order for you to evolve into your best self so you can live your best life to be able to fulfill your God-given purpose. So this segment is pop therapy, y'all already know. And so pop therapy allows me to talk about an article, a movie, a TV show, or things that are just going on in the community and give it a therapist twist to it. So the topic that I'm going to touch on today is Um, What's going on in the news? A few days ago, two students from Georgia Tech died by suicide. And so what I've been seeing a lot in the media and questions arising is what more can we do for college students? Because they experience um, a lot of stress, you know, with being able to pay for college, um, maintain grades. Um, work full time and go to school. So many different levels of stress that they have going on. And I know some college campuses do provide the mental health services um, in, in an intensive way. And then some might not be as intensive with providing that support. But I but my professional opinion is if we found a way for them, those college students to get that support. And another thing about that is I think many of those college students um, worry about insurance, you know, because sometimes um, you may not still be on your parents insurance or you might be on your parents insurance, but you don't want them to know that you're receiving um, mental health services or whatever it may be. But I think um, one thing we can do more of is advocating um, for free services, some form or fashion 
um, being provided to them on the campus um, or having more seminars, more workshops, more dialogue around mental wellness, especially among college students. Because again, we're talking about many of them are coming straight from high school. So and in, into this world of adulthood that they have to just be able to master instantly when they're dropped off. And so we as a community have to find a better way to be able to support them. And a few things, even if you have a family member or a loved one in college, I encourage you all to check on them. Don't wait for them to check on you. You know, just ask them how they're doing. Um, what they may need support in, connect them maybe with resources in the area. Because again, too, some are, are, are leaving home and going to colleges away in another state. And so being mindful of all those type of things it, it is maybe being able to find resources in the area and just allowing them to feel comfortable to share. Because again, um, we want to allow a space for them to feel comfortable and confident to share what's really going on and not to have to mask it and hide it um, or minimize it. And so th that, that is my highlight for a pop therapy segment today. And we'll be right back after this with a word from our sponsors. For you, the listeners of the Evolving Chair podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their services. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D. Again, that's audibletrial.com backslash T-E-C-P-O-D for your free audiobook download today. All right, you guys, in session today with me, I have Christine Gutierrez, licensed mental health counselor. She's a Latina psychotherapist, speaker, author, love addiction expert, life coach, and expert in trauma, abuse, and self-esteem. She's currently in a private practice in New York and offers local and international sessions via phone and Skype. She received her bachelor's from Fordham University in human behavior and development and received her master's from City College of New York in mental health counseling with a focus on community and prevention. She offers one-on-one -on -one therapy and coaching, group coaching, and transformational retreats. Christine has been featured in Huffington Post, Ebony, Yahoo Health, Cosmopolitan for Latinas, just to name a few. She is also the founder of the nonprofit Therapy is Cool, which is founded in Puerto Rico with the mission to empower marginalized youth and communities. Christine's mission is to empower as many people as possible to heal their pain and own their worth. All right, you guys, we are back and I have a very special guest, Miss Christine Gutierrez. You want to say hi to the Evolvers? Hi, ladies. Hi, men, whoever's listening. I'm so grateful and excited to be here. Yes, I'm so, so, so grateful to have you on today's session, Christine. And so one thing before we dive deep into our conversation, I always like to get when I have the experts, so those therapists, um, those medical providers, whoever they are, just to share what brought you into this field. 
Yeah, um, you know, I like to tell people that I think it was my my divine purpose. Mm-hmm. Um, ever since I was a little girl, I, I grew up in Bushwick in Brooklyn, and I was always attracted to helping people, and specifically people that were suffering. And I remember telling my mom, you know, and my dad, like, why are these people homeless? Can I ask them about their story? Mm-hmm. Um, and my mom, if she felt like they were a safe person for me to go up to, I would talk to them. And ask them questions like, where's your mom and where's your dad and what happened to you? And, you know, and I was always wanting to help those that were marginalized. Mm -hmm. And I think that my heart just felt like a deep connection to the broken people, to the lost people, Mm -hmm. to the forgotten people, to the marginalized people. And, and that led me into wanting to understand, you know, why, why is there pain? Why is there Mm -hmm. suffering? And what can I do to make it better? Yeah. Yeah, I love, love, love that. And now, Christine, what was like kind of your introduction just within like being mentally well, especially with being a Latina? Yeah, I mean, in my family, you know, there was a lot of alcoholism. There were a lot of addictions. There were a lot of probably PTSD, repressed trauma. Um, Mm -hmm. Obviously, I didn't know those words looking back. I just knew that we were effed up. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm like, okay, this is so crazy, you know, so craziness going on in here. And as an intuitive and sensitive child, I I knew something was off. Mm -hmm. I knew that my needs weren't getting met. I knew Mm -hmm. that. But as a child, you can't really do much with that information and that knowledge, right? So Mm -hmm. looking around now as an adult, peering into those spaces of my childhood and, you know, growing up in a Puerto Rican family um, and my mom and my dad were both born and raised. My mom was born in the Bronx. Mm -hmm. My dad was born in Brooklyn and raised there. And um, and they're, they're both sides are Puerto Rican from Puerto Rico, lived in Puerto Rico. Um, and so there was there was a definitely the times called for people to just hustle and keep on going. Mm-hmm. There wasn't the space and the awareness, I think, that we now have in this generation mm. to kind of heal ancestral wounds. Yeah. Um, they were in a time where it was just really like you know, pick up your bootstraps and go mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. work hard and get out of what they had to go through. You know, my mom grew up in the projects and um, my dad grew up pretty, you know, low to middle income as well. Right. And, um, you know, they there was a lot of mental health and emotional health and I think spiritual health suffering mm. um, because of the alcoholism on both sides of my mom's dad and my dad's dad and um, and then the abuse and the trauma mm-hmm. that we just, you know, chalked it up to, oh, this is what it's like to be in a Latino family, right. you know, and like, no, it's actually called verbal and physical abuse. Mm, yeah, <laughs> like, That's actually the name for it. <laughs> so, yeah, there was a lot of that growing up and um, you know, it was really painful, I think, to witness that and to feel sensitive to it, but not really know what to do. Right. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. No, thank you for sharing that. And now, because yeah. um, I, I have two questions formed out of what you just shared. So, Christine, first, let's talk about when you decided to be a licensed mental health counselor and you told your family, like, so I'm going to school for this. What was that reaction like? Yeah, so it's interesting, you know, although we had all of that going on. Mm-hmm. 
I actually grew up in a very, so I, I tell people that I grew up with a lot of abuse and a lot of love, both. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and they actually were very, very supportive of everything, mm-hmm. everything and anything I did. Um, and so from a very early age, I wrote poems and, you know, I was always interested in spirituality and mm-hmm. helping the world. And they supported it um, always. So my dad and my mom and my whole kind of immediate family, which is more my dad's mom and dad that raised me because mm-hmm. my parents worked really hard and they took care of me a lot of the time and they were all supportive. And I think I didn't know exactly what a therapist was until maybe I was in my final years of high school. Mm-hmm. I think that's when I decided that I wanted <laughs> to be a therapist. I'm not quite sure. I haven't thought about that, but I knew that um, in college, I wanted to uh, be some sort of therapist mm-hmm. um, and I knew that I wanted to combine it with spirituality um, and, and creating events and, and making it my own business. I mm-hmm. had this kind of entrepreneurial spirit in me. Mm-hmm. So they were pretty supportive. My parents kind of were just like never even questioned my like, they never, career was never a conversation in my house. I was always very academically on point Mm -hmm. um and so i think that they never really cared they were like whatever you want to do oh that's (laughs) awesome like do your own thing and you know follow your dreams and as long as you're happy we're happy Mm -hmm. so they didn't think it was weird um i think my mom's family judged a lot of what i did because i combined spirituality a lot with it and they were kind of thrown off by that okay and i think um they pride themselves more in following that traditional path like you know be a cop or you know a bus driver Mm -hmm. a dental hygienist like very like traditional um careers Mm -hmm. were found in my mom's side and so they were very kind of like what the hell is this hippie you know Mm -hmm. black sheep uh of the family doing and they kind of judged it um and I remember feeling that judgment and thinking, it's all good. I'll end up making more money than all of you. And then you'll you'll probably find the respect for me. Because unfortunately, mm. though I didn't care about that, I knew that they did in certain ways. And so, um, you know, lo and behold, I started getting featured in magazines. And, and they're, they started to see, oh, this is a real thing. And the mm. respect started coming in. So there was a little bit of... Um, push but I think it wasn't towards being a therapist I think it was towards being a spiritual guide and having my own business because the licensed piece Mm -hmm. um, came in recently where I became licensed I I worked under the cap of limited permit for a while Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. but I I actually took on the role of a spiritual guide more Mm -hmm. than a therapist and I think a therapist makes more sense it's more concrete it's like a real adult job Mm -hmm. but my thing was like my Instagram name is Cosmic Christine. I lead <laughs> goddess circles and women empowerment circles yeah. and lead retreats. And they were like, what the heck is she doing? You know, so <laughs> yeah, I yeah. think that's what the other part of the family was judgmental towards. But my mom and my dad were like my biggest cheerleaders with it. Um, that's amazing. That's really amazing. Um, another thing you touched on, and if we can elaborate and just like how that is reflective in many of our communities, um, and household is that intergenerational trauma. Mm-hmm. So if you can talk a little bit just for the listeners to give them like a, um, 
a brief definition of the intergenerational trauma and how it can impact somebody in adulthood if it is if you know we don't seek that support for those things yeah i mean you know intergenerational trauma i think is is something that we are now having the space to look at right mm-hmm. like this is mm-hmm. not only i don't even know how especially i'll speak for like my lineage and my cultural background of being latina being puerto rican mm-hmm. um and they just didn't think about those things, right. you know? Um, I don't even know if they had the language and the awareness to think about those things because they were so in it and so unaware of that there could be anything different. You know, mm. we've grown up in this culture of, like, therapy and information exactly. and Google and, mm-hmm. you know, workshops and let's heal. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that, you know, one of the main, you know, traumas that has been going on has been, uh, has been, you know, the trauma of abuse, the trauma Mm -hmm. of alcoholism and addiction, Mm -hmm. the trauma of lack of communication Mm. and um, the breakdowns in the family system Mm -hmm. um, and being able to now say, let me take advantage of the the, the position and the privilege that we have, right? To maybe not have to work in the ways that they had to work because they fought for us to be able to have more, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it makes me emotional thinking about that, that, yeah. that our ancestors really did fight for us to have what we have now. Mm-hmm. And my mom and my dad, and despite the trauma, they were all working and doing the best that they could given the resources and the information they had. And now we are kind of, I, I joke, I'm like the Latina Buffy the Vampire Slayer, kind of like cutting cords yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and demons and wounds, like, hi you know. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Cutting them cords, right? Like, fuck, here it is again. Like, here's this abuse pattern. Here's this, like, poverty consciousness. Mm. Like, how can we break that? Where does this come from? How can I learn from this? And obviously, therapy is a wonderful space to do that. And for me personally, Mm -hmm. my spiritual practice, my connection to God, my connection to higher power source is the root and the source of everything I do. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. It is the way that I do my healings in in my therapy practice. Right. Despite what faith background someone comes from, I really don't care. Mm-hmm. But I, I feel like that source kind of helps me to navigate those generational traumas and go there and be mm-hmm. like, you know, God, help me to cut these cords. Help yeah. me to help me to go there. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. No, thank you for sharing that. And now, Christine, when you do have those individuals that show up um, because of this intergenerational traumas, what are some um, techniques or or, um, guidance that you provide to them to be able to, like you said, cut those cords and and break the chain? Well, you know, I tell people I'm like this is a process and Mm -hmm. it's a process that doesn't only just happen solo on this journey, but we get to see those wounds and those shadows occur in our relationship. Those Mm, are the playgrounds where we really get the juice and the good kind of work. Um, We can't do this healing in and of ourselves. We can't isolate on a mountain and, and get all the information. You know, there's this uh, funny, story of like this monk goes into the mountain and he 
stays there for years and years and he finds, you know, mm-hmm. this like enlightenment and peace and he's like, I'm one with myself, I'm one with God. And then all of a sudden an attractive woman comes by on the mountain and he <laughs> turns around, gets distracted and starts like going crazy, chasing her. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, it, it, and it was to point to that in and of ourselves, it's very easy to not deal with our shadows, but life requires other and the moment we're presented with the other person, it, it gets we get to work. But, you know, essentially what I do with clients, um, especially, like I said, taking on this more broad cap of a spiritual guide mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. a training of a therapist is that during my annual um, Diosa retreat, and Diosa is the Spanish word for goddess, it's a women's retreat the mm-hmm. third weekend of July Um coming up if you're listening to this podcast in 2018 in 2019 that'll be my eighth annual one awesome and what we do is um i get people into their body we do breath work yes Um, yes i help people to feel Mm -hmm. the blocks that exist not in their mind but in their body because trauma lives in the nervous system in the body um and if you've gone through trauma you've probably disassociated escaped and abandoned your body because it felt too scary to be in it. And so one of the biggest things that I do with people is getting into the body. What do you feel in your heart? What do you feel in your bones? What do you feel in your cells? What do you feel in your core, in your heart, when we have the space to be still? Mm-hmm. Um, we go on a journey, and I take people on this kind of shamanic journey where we travel into the past and we go deep, deep, deep. And even sometimes, you know, those repressed memories from other, um, from our parents and our mom's moms, Mm -hmm. and we get a flashback of something. And, and there's these themes that come up in this kind of, um, trance like state Mm -hmm. and we'll get a piece of paper and they'll lay down and we do wonderful experiential exercises that are like sub, somatic body imaging mm-hmm. where people will um I'll take them on a journey with music with drumming with sound with energy and they will access you know let's say the emotion of betrayal and then mm. I'll go through a journey and I'll say notice from all the lineages of your ancestors this word betrayal and where does it come up and where do you feel it in your body and how does it taste and how does it sound and how does it feel and what are some ages that come up? What were you wearing? Who was the person? Was it a man? How old? What was that dynamic? And they write it down on this map so that they can physically, visually see it mm-hmm. beyond the inner world, which is sometimes hard to see mm-hmm. because it's mm-hmm. in you. So we get it out of the person. And so a lot of my work is like that, mm-hmm. where um, they journey and they find the things that maybe they've repressed. Yeah, no, I love, love, love all of that because um, I do a lot of work with um, children and women and I specialize in trauma. Um, I've been trained in TFCBT, um, PCIT and, and just like a whole different other like trauma focused and trauma sensitive trainings. And one of the biggest things Um, that I do realize for individuals who've experienced that trauma is that disconnect like you stated within the body Um, because because it it is in your body so sometimes people are easily triggered and their body reacts to it like they might have forgotten or or just suppressed the trauma so much in memory but yet your body physically remembers that and so you might just react um, 
almost like a reflex when you're you're being triggered and I do a lot of that grounding work um especially with especially with kids um because they are so emotionally dysregulated especially after traumas um and 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 it it it's so um what it it can be so overwhelming for them to experience so I do a lot of that that body work so I'm glad that you do a lot of that for people so they can actually start feeling that and I think like I've noticed that a lot just like in interactions with individuals how disconnected people can be from their body absolutely absolutely yeah and it makes perfect sense because it's scary Mm -hmm. to be feeling all of those intense feelings and you know and that's why you know I know that I'm scared of it and I know that it's scary Mm -hmm. because it just is right like you are experiencing difficult emotions difficult feelings and there's a part of us just like is it really necessary to go there do I Mm -hmm. have to right and the truth is is that like not everyone is called to do that level of work Mm -hmm. there are some people that their psyches have a, a way of coping that mm-hmm. doesn't require that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I tell people there's a soul call within us that allows us to um, to journey where we know. If mm-hmm. you are experiencing blocks or frustrations, it's usually when people are like, mm, I think I need some help. <laughs> <You know? laughs> right, right. <laughs> something's not working yeah. here. Uh, and that's a good sign that like, if something's not working, why not go to those spaces of, you know, finding out because, you know, it's those areas that hold gems of evolution mm-hmm. and growth and potential on the other side of it and help us to tap into our confidence, help us to tap into our uh, cultivating healthy relationships, um, making more money, you know, like mm-hmm. on the other side of the block is growth. Mm, yeah. I love, love, love that. And, and speaking of that, Christine, um, as people are working through um, those fears and those traumas, how does that help produce the healthy confidence? Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, so as you start believing in yourself that you are worthy enough to tend to your heart, to tend to your soul, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Um already in that you know I like to tell people that there's an inner child inside an inner an inner little boy inner little girl an inner spirit that's tender and as we become adults we have the responsibility to reparent and re-nurture ourselves in all the ways that we loved growing up mm-hmm. that we want to recreate and all the things that we didn't get that we can give to ourselves right and right. the moment that you decide that you're going to go on this journey of healing you're saying to your subconscious you're saying to your heart I love myself enough to take care of myself. Mm. I love myself enough to go on this journey and see what isn't working so that I can find out what will help me live better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so that action in and of itself tells you that you care about yourself. And then, of course, as you start to figure out, oh, my God, this dot connects to this dot. And mm. maybe that's why I've been so scared yeah. of opening up my heart because there's been generations and generations of heartbreak and woundedness, and I've only seen negative patterns of relationships. Mm-hmm. So I thought that that's all I deserve. And oh my God, now I realize that like it's not all men, but maybe it's just these types of patterns. And how can I create a new wavelength in my mm-hmm. brain that says, I'll know what safe feels like? 
right? Mm, so then yeah. you start going on this journey, you figure out different things, and now you love yourself enough to give yourself a new life, mm. a new opportunity based on what you actually want mm-hmm. and not based on repetitive patterns of chaos. Yes. I love, love, love that. So as you're igniting your confidence, it's activating that self-worth. And now how does that lead to people being able to set those healthy boundaries to maintain that healthy confidence and self-worth? Oh, yeah. Boundaries are key in all of this. And we will constantly be tested, especially if you come (laughs) from a crazy family like I do. (laughs) Um, You know, and I think that like, Boundaries basically are healthy ways of, they're not like firm steel so that you're blocking out and living in fear. Mm -hmm. And they're not like invisible that no one knows what you actually need and what you need to keep yourself safe. They're this beautiful kind of like veil Mm -hmm. that you get to choose to open and close depending on what feels safe and right for you. And boundaries are actually not only for the self, but also for the other person. Because you're calling yourself to a higher standard and other people when you start healthy boundaries, you know. So when I, you know, whether it's in work and someone gives me an opportunity and I'm like, I really wish I could say yes to everyone in the world. But that's not very, very respectful of me because I need to say no to things if it's going to overwhelm me and and not being shady about it, but being transparent and Mm -hmm. saying, hey, thank you so much for the opportunity. Right now, I am at capacity, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And while this sounds really great, it wasn't an immediate yes because I have so much on, on my plate. I wish you the best in the journey. Good luck, right? Yeah, yeah. And there's a little tinge of like, fuck, I don't want to I don't want to say no to someone. I don't want to hurt someone or you know, even in a more serious case where you have like family members, right? I've been dealing with this in my own life with like social media, right? Mm-hmm. I am an adult. You know, uh, at the point of this recording, I'm 33 years old and I share my heart and my soul in a way that feels right for me online. You know, I have a brand that's based on my heart. Mm. And so I share from the heart and um, I share things that might make other people uncomfortable. Like, you know, maybe a family member is like, oh, my God, she's writing about I posted this thing about like a fertility tracker mm-hmm. that I had used with my partner. Um, I was working in a brand collaboration with them and they were like, why are you talking about that? So personal. I'm like, cause I write about personal things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> and so if you don't like it, you just unfollow me or you block me. Right. Right. But if I feel like, for example, someone is not honoring the space that I've created, cause my online world is a part of my world now. Mm, right. Yeah. Um, that I will remove you and block you. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I will, and, and if people get offended, because it's, it's a big deal, people get hurt, right? right. I explain it. I'm like, you know, listen, my love, um, you know, I found that a lot of my posts were triggering you. And for the sake of my sanity, I like to feel fully expressed and safe in my expression. Mm-hmm. And in the same way in person, if I was constantly hanging out with someone that did not make me feel safe to share how I share, mm-hmm. we can disagree. But if you don't allow that, then I will keep my distance. Right. For me, boundaries are like that. And mm-hmm. they hurt people sometimes because boundaries are painful. Mm-hmm. Telling someone no doesn't feel great, but they protect and maintain the integrity of what you need. And I think that as we get older, um, it's important and imperative for our mental health and emotional health mm-hmm. that we feel less sorry 
mm. about other people yes. and that we claim what works. I am unapologetic now mm-hmm. about what I need. And it's very hard to do that. I'm not going to say that I don't feel guilty sometimes. I do. Mm-hmm. But I work through that guilt on my own because I know that the boundaries, I know what feels safe now. Right. I've done a lot of work on what feels safe. And I, I like to choose boundaries that honor that safety so I can live free because mm-hmm. I like a no drama free zone. Right. right? Um, so I think that, you know, especially people that are listening, if you find yourself in moments like that, you might feel guilty or you might feel like you have to do certain things. You don't have to. Mm, you know, yes. <laughs> I've had certain clients with that they, they need boundaries with their parents. So they can't hang out with them a lot, mm-hmm. you know. That they need to set, you know, I love you. And that's hard, especially in black, Latino families, culturally. Right. Um, many family dynamics. But, you know, you know the cultures or the your family unit that, that has that kind of expectation of hanging out all the time. Mm-hmm. But if it's not good for you, it's not good for you. You know, like mm-hmm. just protect yourself and find ways to do it in a loving but empowering way. And if people don't respect it after a while, then you, know, you might have to take a step back. You know, yeah. um, I'm all about cultivating long-term friendships and relationships, which requires a lot of flexibility. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, if two parties are not growing and respecting the new boundaries, then inevitably it hits a point where you say, oh, I don't, you know, I don't know if this is going to work. So boundaries are key, 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 key to developing a strong sense of self. Yes. And I loved how you even described the boundaries as a beautiful veil, because I think Mm. you're right. People have to shift how they look at when they're setting boundaries. It's not anything to be mean or malicious, but this is ultimately um, protecting your emotional wellness. And, you know, like like we see the the quotes all the time, you know, how can you pour into somebody else when your cup is not even full? And it's like boundaries allow you to be able to rejuvenate your mind and refill your cup, because if you don't set those boundaries, you know, you're going to be running on fumes. And then who what good are you going to be to anybody? Mm hmm. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's like, you know, um, so often we burn ourselves out and we build resentment. And, mm-hmm. and when we build that resentment, the relationship can't thrive. Yes. So it's key to realize that actually you're helping. And, you know, unfortunately, people that are unwell, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that um, are not able maybe to take on that boundary, mm-hmm. then that is something that... Um, you know, you have to cope with and, um, and respect and honor. Mm. Yeah, no, I love, love, love all of that. And now Christine, um, within your community and just you being a big advocate for, um, mental and emotional wellness, um, and for people to really do the work, um, how, how important is it for you to break that shame and that fear within your community about mental health, mental wellness, all of that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I think that for me, my primary goal, I I just felt like it was to help people, particularly people of color that, you know, that 
understand. Mm-hmm. Maybe I felt like I didn't have those role models, so I wanted to give it back. You know, I like helping all people, but there's a particular like soft spot in my heart for you know Black Latina mm-hmm. women, men, um, and so. I just felt like, especially growing up in an urban, like New York City kind of environment mm-hmm. and um, seeing the pain that exists in, um, in that culture and the breakdown in families and knowing that, like, I want our people to be strong and feel safe to share their feelings. And we have so much power and magic in us. Mm-hmm. And um, I want to be part of helping that. And so, you know, breaking the stigma also means sharing my story. It means you know, making, I've, I've been blessed and my, my group of women have been mostly just diverse women from, you know, all different cultures and particularly mm-hmm. black women, Latina women, mostly. And it's been really beautiful to be able to like openly talk about these things and yeah. break the stigma in having a safe space to be able to share these conversations where people finally get to say, you know, I was abused by my dad mm, and not yeah. feel shame because they have other women in the group. They're like, I grew up like you and I get you. Mm-hmm. And they're just like these raw, real down, open women that make it feel safe to talk about things that were sometimes shunned and mm-hmm. silenced even by their own family members. So for me, it's like of the highest priority. Um, it's why I do what I do. Mm-hmm. Um, when I get messages from young women in their twenties that are like, Oh my God, I was reading Gabrielle Bernstein's book on spirituality and I liked it, but I, I couldn't really vibe with it. Cause like she didn't sound like us and didn't like mm. go through the same things. And I want to joke about the same things that we joke about and, you know, the music and the vibe and, you know, you can't heal mm-hmm. what you, 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 you don't feel like there's hope for you if you don't see people that sound like you and, that are like you. Mm. So I think that a big part of the motivation behind me being, you know, sharing my life experiences, like I want people to know that like we can do it, Um, that there's other people that have done it and that if I can, they can. And, and like, let's be on this together. Yes. No, I I love all of that. And, and you are so right. Um, And it, and it just keeps me thinking of how representation matters. For, especially for what we do, especially already being a part of communities that are hesitant to even share and be authentic and vulnerable. Um, so to even have more of us at the forefront um, providing that therapy, that therapy, the place of healing for them, it, it, it makes a big difference. So I'm grateful and thankful for the work that you do for our for both of our communities. Yeah, same with me with you, you know, seeing other leaders in this field that are, you know, making, um, breaking the stigma around mental health and therapy and like doing the things and also being the color that you are and the voice that you are. It does matter, you mm-hmm. know, in the grand scheme of things. I think that a lot of people um, get scared to say that because we live in a world where we have a lot of stigmas around like what we can, like, you know, like, oh, well, you know, then why can't white people say that they just want to work with white people? Like, there's this right. whole cultural thing that comes up, and it's like, you know, I won't get into all of that now. I have any opinions on that, but like for me, it's like it is an underserved community, and we are desperately needing, you know, leaders and people that are like, let's do this. You know, I think that the reason why what was that movie Wakanda? Um, the yes, yes, Black, Black Panther. Panther. Yes. I think the reason why that stirred up emotionally because art moves us Mm -hmm. um, is because there was this 
world that it painted of, you know, black people, people of color being empowered and leaders. And like, mm-hmm. I get chills thinking about it because it's like, that means we're craving that. We're missing that. Yes. That means that we're so much more powerful than we think. And it's not to be better than someone else and do the same things that were done. It's to be one. But mm. we can't be really one if we're not one, if we're mm-hmm. not respected as one. You know, mm-hmm. I tell people mm-hmm. in the spiritual community, don't come at me saying we all got to be one if mm-hmm. we aren't treating people as one. Right. <laughs> we're not inviting people as one. Yeah. Like you can't say that and not create that first. So I think that mental health is a massive piece in not only our small, you know, inner world, but for the world at large to create a movement of empowered people because one empowered person that heals their mental and emotional state and has support goes on to create ripple effects and give back. Yes. I love, love, love that. And I loved how you put that. Thank you. Thank you so, so much. And you know, Christine, I could honestly talk with you all day. So I know I got to have you back for another session if you're open and willing. Absolutely. Yes, I'm so excited. So y'all heard that. So I'm gonna have Christine come back, y'all, because she's dropping so many gems. Um, but but before we we end our session, Christine, what are three key ingredients you would say a person needs to be able to evolve into their best self? Mm, Three key things to evolve into their best self. Ah, the willingness. The willingness to break down, to get raw, and to be radically, deeply honest. Um, So the willingness to be radically and deeply honest. Mm. The second thing um, is to then be willing to do the work that arises when you get the information. So once you become aware, then we oftentimes are given these like intuitive steps or actually someone in our life, you come across them and they say, okay, here's what you got to do. So you got to then be willing to do the work. Mm. So, um, you know, you can't have, you know, the cake fully cooked unless Mm -hmm. you put in the work to bake the cake. Right. Mm, right. So um, you got to go get the ingredients. You got to get the oven, you got to do all the things. And so emotional health is just like that. We have to be willing to be warriors Mm. and warriorses and do the work and know that it won't be easy, but it'll be worth it. And then I think finally, my third step would be be willing to get support Mm -hmm. and be curious about others' um, trusted opinions, right? Not like just anybody, but be curious and when someone says something right Mm -hmm. um to have the willingness to get support because this is a we thing not an i thing we can't always do everything on our own there will be parts of the self-healing evolving journey that require just you and you but there will also be parts that require you and others so just be open to getting support and help those would be my three main ways to start evolving I love those three. Thank you so much. And can you let the Evolvers know how they can connect with you, how they can support um, and reach out to you? Because I know you said you have your retreat next year and, you know, I know you do speaking. So I know people are definitely going to connect with you and be like, you know what? You were dope on the Evolving Chair podcast. I need to have you come speak, do a training, do a workshop, something. I know you will get that. 
Yeah, so definitely you can check out. Um, I offer one-on-one therapy coaching both for self-esteem, for self-love, relationships, and also for business if you're wanting to like step into your power as a leader. Um, and then I do corporate and retreats, like you said. So all of that information is on my website. It's uh, www.christineg.tv, and Christine is spelled with a C-H. And then on Instagram, I love Instagram. It's like my favorite place. <laughs> I have, um, you know, I do stories. It's mostly of me and my dog, Bodhi. But <laughs> it's, um, it's a really fun, intimate. I love getting to know you. So Cosmic Christine there. And then it's just my name, Christine Gutierrez, on Facebook as well. Um, but yeah, hit me up um, if you feel called, if you feel like you want support. You know, you have so many different people that are around, you know, free resources. I have free meditations on my website and workshops. So no matter where you are financially from, you know, needing a free thing or ready to like pay money to invest into a retreat, there's like an option for you. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And all that information will definitely be in the show notes as well. All right, Miss Christine, thank you so, so much for all the work you do and to keep keep living out your truth and your purpose and your passions and helping to break the shame and the fear in our communities and helping people truly heal so that way mm-hmm. they can go on to help heal others. And so keep yes. doing the awesome work that you're doing. And thank you for being a great guest on today's session. Mm-hmm. And thank you for the work that you do. I'm thank so you. honored. Thank you. Thank you. And to you all, I hope you guys be well. And don't forget to share this podcast session with two other people, at least, who definitely can benefit from listening to Christine today. Be well. Hey, TC listeners, don't forget to like and subscribe this podcast. It can be found on SoundCloud, iTunes, Stitcher and Google Play. And don't forget to connect with me on social media on Instagram at The Evolving Chair, Facebook, The Evolving Chair, Twitter at The Evolving Chair without the R and my new email address podcast at TheEvolvingChair.com. So send in your questions if you are interested in being a guest or want to be on the chair with Lakeisha.